The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. I'm Joe Costello, and we have got another great podcast episode for you. I am joined, as is normally the case, by the director of technical sales, Keith Jones, whose new title is just Get It Done, Keith Jones. And Keith, welcome back to another episode. Here we go again. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. It's a uh, it, things have changed in this world since the last time we spoke. It's a it's a whole new planet and a whole new day. But uh, we're here meeting it with a smile on our face every day and trying to do the the absolute best job we can, uh, bringing uh, people the details and the and as you said the hidden little secrets about how to release a little more horsepower, uh, especially through ring seal. And let me see, looking at uh, looking at a new future here. And it, it is the case. I love how Keith always gives us like a little preamble of what's going on in the world at the time of the episode. It is great. We encourage everybody to go back and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can find them all on Total Seals social media. On this episode, I'm very interested in what we've got going on because we have Lake Speed Jr., who... At Total Seal, wears many hats. I asked him for his title, and he said, head troublemaker. And so let's dive immediately in and bring into the show, also from Total Seal. So both of you guys are out there. It's like a conference call at Total Seal, Mr. Lake Speed Jr. Lake, welcome to Hidden Horsepower for the first time. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. I mean, I've listened to every episode and just excited to be here. And obviously my buddy Keith over there, you know, we're, we've known each other for a long time, and this is just kind of... Great to be together and great to be here. I, I love the fact that we're all together and uh, what we have been doing with these shows has been, uh, I've received a lot of positive feedback. Uh, it, so, so frankly, sometimes it's over my head, but that's how you get smarter. You got to hang out with oh. people smarter than you. Exactly. That's why I try to hang out with Keith and Matt Hartford and guys like Ben Strader, who was on the show, is a good buddy of mine. Yeah, to learn as much as you can. So I expect you guys to educate me on this episode, but also have a little back and forth about the significance of what we are doing, speaking with all these engine builders, but also educating the person who isn't that far along. And Keith always says, like, make your first call before you even you know buy your parts. Like, Tell us what you're thinking about doing, and we can set you on this path. Now, Lake, before we get into that, we want to talk about your path. I know our listeners are saying to themselves, Lake Speed Jr. You know, there's not too many guys out there in the world named Lake Speed. And many of us watch your dad growing up. Uh, NASCAR driver, karting racer, some incredible racing statistics. Talk a little bit about how you came up in your racing legacy family. You know, that's one of those things that, I my first memories in life are at a racetrack. You know, when I was uh, born, my dad was still racing go-karts, traveling all around the country. Uh, we had a, a mail-order go-kart parts business called Speed Carts. So that's what paid the bills. And then to, you know, promote that, dad traveled around racing go-karts against guys like Lynn Haddock, um, Scott Goodyear. There's a litany of people that came up um, – and karting, you know, that my dad raced against back in the you know the seventies, and uh, ultimately got to racing over in Europe, and he raced against 
some really greats. You know, he, he actually beat Ayrton Senna in 1978 for the World Go-Karting Championship. He raced against uh, Teo Fabi, Ricardo Patrese, Elaine Prost. I mean, the, the, if you're an F1 guy, my dad raced against a lot of the heroes and was fortunate enough in 1978 to beat them. And since then, he's actually the only American to ever win the World Karting Championship. So that was my start in in life, you know, really was in racing. And I've never been able to shake that. It's just in my blood. Well, let's uh, let's just simmer on that for a minute, and that, uh, and, and and frankly, you know, diving into the Wikipedia and going into the internet and finding out about that, that your dad, Lake Speed, went toe to toe with Ayrton Senna and defeated him. That in for a World Karting Championship in 1978 when I was five years old, the talent that must have been present to do that. Without mistake, but think of the equipment. Like nowadays, the modern carts, the modern engines, the modern everything we have, the stuff he was doing it in, that's amazing to me. Well, Keith already knows this. So my dad and I do vintage go-kart racing. So if you really want to see some interesting stuff, there's a whole group called the Vintage Karting Association, and they probably probably have 10, 15 races a year. And my dad and I have been doing this for about 10 years together, going back and running these races. It, dad's 72 years old. We have, you know, the actual 78 championship cart. We've got some replicas and all of that. Dad's still faster than everybody. He's still faster than me. I mean, it's crazy. And the thing is, you know, when you go back and you said head-to-head against Senna, Senna was the factory, the, the cart company's called DAP, D-A-P. So he was the factory racer for DAP. My dad was a privateer. He didn't have any factory uh, help. And in fact, the only reason he was probably able to win that year was because um, there was a company called Birrell out of Italy. And uh, dad was, you know, using Birrell chassis. He was the Birrell importer into the U.S. And he was over there and the Birrell guys were just kind of impressed with this, you know, crazy American guy and him and his buddy, you know, over there trying to do this. And Teo Fabi was the factory barrel guy and he crashed out in qualifying. And so dad had qualified for the finals and they basically run three heats in the finals, um, to determine the championship. And they basically start over from points after qualifying. So clean slate th- last three heats. They're sitting on the starting grid. Teo Fabi walks up, hands my dad four tires and says, put this on. Cause he was a factory guy. He had the good tires a second a lap faster. Whoa. Yep. With the, with the, with the, you know, factory guy tires. So dad had that only one set. He goes out, wins the first heat, just, just drives to the front, passes everybody and, and wins. Second heat. He's got, he doesn't get a new set of tires. Everybody else does. And that's when, you know, he's out there trying to defend, trying to defend. And Senna finally gets, to his tail and on the last corner last lap Senna's been dogging him Senna, he, dad knows Senna's going to go for him he knows he's going to die on him so dad just moves over you know, kind of crowds him down crowds him down makes him have a bad line as soon as he see, feels and hears Senna kind of make that move dad off the gas jumps to the outside and basically does a slide job 
on Senna because Senna's committed. He's down to the bottom. There's no way he can make a good exit. All right, so Senna goes by Dad on the inside. Dad arcs it out, passes him back off the corner in drag race, and beats him to the finish line. Wow. He's world champion at that point. All he has to do is just finish the last heat, and he's world champion. Unbelievable. You know? Like, unbelievable. That was kind of deep. I get to talk to a guy whose dad beat Ayrton Senna in a race. Like, that's pretty crazy in and of itself. But that wasn't his only uh, great successes. Uh, Many of us grew up, you know, seeing Lake Speed as one of the names in a list of drivers. Maybe our NASCAR fandom was kind of coming online. We were watching these races, early races on ESPN, etc., He was always in the top 10, was always a name on the screen, right? There were many other names that never made the screen. He was always on the screen. Uh, He ended up in the International Karting uh, Foundation uh, Hall of Fame, excuse me, the Karting Hall of Fame. But in 1985, second place to Bill Elliott at the Daytona 500. And of course... Bill Elliott in 1985 at Daytona, like that was one of the more dominating uh, performances we've seen. 136 laps led where no one was catching Bill and Ernie Elliott on that given weekend, but Lake Speed finished second. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That, that, that year, you know, Elliott with the number nine forward, uh, you know, <laughs> they were in a class by themselves. You know, it, it was just, they were, no one was touching those guys at the Speedway races that year. So, yeah, dad finished. Second, and the interesting story there is, you know, uh, in 80, into 84, you know, Dad was basically done. He, he, had, he, had, he had cashed out the speed carts deal in 79 and, you know, liquidated it and tried to get into NASCAR or got into NASCAR, started running, you know, um, we had our own team but really didn't own anything. We were basically just paying guys over here in the Carolinas to help him along and, he was running in, you know, 83, he rode, raced for Haas Ellington. Um, but Haas, basically, all of his parts were used parts. They ran on Junior Johnson's used stuff. And like you said, Dad ran top 10, uh, or actually probably ran about top five, or blew up in 83, every race. You know, it's like, okay, if you look at his stats, he either finished top 10 or he blew up, you know, or wrecked. Yeah, it was, that was how 83 went. And 84 was a, a struggle year two, and, you know, things were – pretty bad back then right you know that was that economy was pretty tough 85 he had nothing and they said okay well either i'm going to pack this thing back up and go back to mississippi or you know or whatever wasn't sure and then um uh bobber healy and butch mock and uh dicker healy the, the ray mock guys you know they told my dad hey why don't we we don't have a sponsor we got cars we have an engine shop Let's just go to Daytona together. Let's just see. And he said, okay, sure. So dad and the Raymont guys go to Daytona, and they, they, they qualify. I mean, the, the finishing second to Bill wasn't really a fluke that year. They, they had ran good in uh, practice, you know, finished well in the qualifying race, and looked pretty good. They got the sponsorship from Nationwide Auto Parts the night before the race. And this is back in the days when, you know, we didn't have decals. You had sign painters. Literally, the car had wet paint on it from the sign painters painting nationwide on the car the day, the morning of the race. And went out there and finished second. You know, and it was just an incredible, you know, miracle to get this sponsorship and then finish second. And then nationwide signed on to, to sponsor the car for the rest of the year. Actually got a picture of my de- on my desk up here. I'm looking at it right now. My dad, the Nationwide Auto Parts 
car, you know, um, and and that kind of was a pivotal moment in his career that his, he stuck, you know. And then in, in '88, um, we had our own team, uh, built our own engines, built our own chassis, everything right there at the shop uh, behind the house. Dad still has the shop, still got cars and stuff in there. We won Darlington in '88, and the wins Kmart car. Um, and that was the first year we really had somewhat competitive money and somewhat competitive resources to the Childresses and all that, you know, and it's Darlington. It wasn't a fluke, not to say that other guys, you know, won at fluky races, but you went at Darlington, that's a driver's track. You don't just luck into winning Darlington and he dominated 367 laps led. He killed it, you know, um, Great day. And I was, I was fortunate to be there. That was a, a race during the school year, but happened to be spring breaks. I got to go. Wow. You know, so that was kind of neat, you know. Well, hearing you talk about it, and then the career goes on and on, and it's just one of those uh, situations where I think, and hopefully our listeners, uh, they realize, like, you see someone, and they're a name on a screen, but behind that someone and all the, thing, the things you're watching is, is like a real life and all these amazing things. And what I have taken out of it is that, if he was around in another time, like now, things would be totally different because you, you mentioned doing so much with your own parts, your own shop, your own teams, like trying to run your, your own campaign, your own cars, which is just so hard now. And finishing, you know, 10th, 8th, 11th, like now, that's really good, right? Back then, you, you're outside of the top 10 or you're in, you know, running around 10th. People are like, eh. uh, now you're, you're running top 10. You're a, a, a lifer. You're there forever. And uh, it's just very interesting. One final note I did want to mention for the Earnhardt fans out there. 1998 Daytona 500. I don't know that Dale Earnhardt wins that Daytona 500 without that late race caution. Guess who was in it? Yeah, my dad. <laughs> like, like, so the Earnhardt fans have got to have a love somewhere deep down. John Andretti, Lake Speed, get together, and the exactly. caution comes out, and Dale Earnhardt wins the Daytona 500. If not... Could have been Bobby Labonte. He was coming on strong. They still had a long way to go, which is a perfect tie to your uh, career arc, which uh, let's talk about it. As a, a lubrication specialist, Joe Gibbs Racing, Driven Motor Oil, when that brand came on the scene, you were a big part of it. So how did Lake Speed Jr. You know, get involved? Obviously, you already said you drive, but you, you ended up as an industry guy. Yeah, so you know, the interesting kind of, parallel you know the twists and turns of life that you know my dad you know finished second to bill elliott in, in the melling sponsored car uh there in 85 well he ended up finishing his career like you said driving for melling the number nine car that was it in 1988 or 1998 they on the 500 and uh, i actually was working uh for melling at that time so i i went to work for the guys at melling in 1998 uh you know just the guy in the shop yeah it was one of the things that you know, my dad made me go to college because he was like you got to go to college but really had that passion for racing and you know tried to have a real job for a little while and hated that so i went to work at melling and was working there uh and then uh just you know getting into you know, being a nascar team member and working on all those things you know we helped you know work a internship program with the university of tennessee where i went to school with the engineering department and had an engineer in there and we you know we're doing development work you know trying to do things to gain power on speedway so we had a chassis done and we tried all kinds of different things you know back to you know, 
this hit, hidden horsepower, right? That's what we're looking for. What can we do to make more power so that engine, you know, so that car can go faster, you know? And that led to me going to work for Joe Gibbs Racing in 2004. And, you know, Mark Cronquist, the head engine guy at Gibbs, you know, said, okay, listen, you know, you're going to be in charge of our oil program, which means you get to know everything in this engine that touches oil, which is pretty good because I'm a guy who loves engines and oil touches most parts in the engine. Like if you ask me about, you know, valve seat materials and stuff like that, I, I, I kind of know, but that wasn't something that I was told about, you know, cause that wasn't something that oil touched, but things like mm, say piston rings and bearings and things like that, that was, you know, part of, you know, my domain. And that's really, you know, where I first kind of came in contact with total seals because as we were developing the oils and we weren't smart enough to think about this, but we were developing the oils. Well, we were using total seal piston rings as part of that package. And, you know, as a oil guy, really what I am, I'm I'm a tribologist and tribology is this fancy word. That's really the study of friction, wear and lubrication. And, you know, ring seal, what you guys have talked about over and over again on this show, which is the key to optimizing the power in the engine. My analogy, ring seal is like soup. It's not just the broth. It's not just the chicken. It's not just the spices. It's not just the vegetables. It's all of it coming together. Ring seal isn't just the piston. It's not just the piston ring. It's not just the cylinder wall finish. It's not just the oil. It's all of them coming together and that's what we did at, at Joe Gibbs Racing is we were looking at different lubricants. We were trying different things with home. Obviously, they were working closely with Keith and Matt and all the guys at Total Seal trying different ring packages, different thicknesses and things like that. We were doing in pistons. You know, we worked a lot with Bill Miller uh, on pistons. We tried all of those things, and it was that package that came together over time and you know, that's kind of where my relationship with Total Steel got started was that, you know, as we were developing these oils, we were developing them in concert with the rings. And then that's where our conversation with Keith and I was like, you know, we were using break-in oil and we were doing a break-in process. And, you know, lo and behold, we could get some, we could have results with certain rings that no one else could get because of our process. And that was just kind of a neat thing to learn because we weren't so smart that we saw that coming. We just kind of looked at it in a rearview mirror and said, oh, wow, we made this huge horsepower gain and reduced blow-by and increased vacuum as part of this combination. And, wow, that ring really made a big difference. And part of it was that process, is that soup, you know, ring. Uh, that's really what my passion is, is about ring seal, you know, which is why I'm so excited to be here at Total Seal because, you know, oil is part of that. But you can only go so far with oil, you know, and, and tribology is more than just oil, right? That's why I'm excited to be able to work on parts. 
And that's why people are clicking subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and writing review. If they love the engine building, the science of engine building, the engineering feat, you're going to want to hear the next couple of episodes because you mentioned Mark Cronquist, head engine builder at Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, as well as Ron Shaver from uh, Shaver Specialties Racing Engines. Two gentlemen are going to be our next couple of guests on the show. Lake, you are going to be my co-host for that. I'm excited about that. We'll get into it. But Keith, I want you to jump in now and talk about those early days working with Lake, with him as a client, as a customer, as a partner, but not within the company, outside the company, and trying to get creative like that. Uh, you have told us over the uh, the first several episodes, like that's where it all starts, right? Getting creative, creative mm-hmm. conversations, setting out the goals. What are we trying to achieve? That must have been a great project. It's been a real asset working with Lake and a real asset having Lake working with us. You know, it's, it's great to have him on board. Uh, you know, in the early days, yeah, it was like Lake said, everything is a soup. It's a combination. I call it links in the chain. If, if one link in the chain fails, everything fails. So, you know, in the early days working with Lake, you know, oil really wasn't thought about. You know, it was just, it's oil. And he really helped pioneer this, this you know, progression in oil, kind of like the way we pioneered the progression in piston rings when we first really started getting active and trying to develop new ring technologies and ring coatings. You know, rings were just thought of as, you know, it's a ring. You put it in there and away you go. And, you know, at at the time with getting involved with Lake Oil was kind of, well, you know, you go out, you buy a quart of Valvoline and you put it in and and there you go. And and, and through his efforts and knowledge and and the testing and the guys like Mark and Joe Gibbs and, you know, really, really pushing, you know, the oil technology boundaries to find out how light of viscosity we can get away with, reduce the friction. As, As Lake said, tribology is such a you know, an, an important part of this, you know, uh, you know this program's progress uh, of finding the right coatings, the right ring thicknesses, and that constant experimentation and working with the guys that allow us to throw those ideas. You know, let's play with how much, you know, barrel drop can we put on the ring? Can we offset the barrel on the ring? How does it respond to this coating, you know, whether it's, you know, titanium or diamond, like carbons or titanium dioxide, there's a whole list of different things, and all of these react differently. And, and working with them to develop the right coating with the right oil and, 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 as he said, and cylinder finish. What is the right finish? And, and it's a constant testing. and It's still being tested today and, and still developing. We're always working on those new, you know, what is the next thing? So, you know, getting involved with Lake in those early days of that, you know, really, again, helped us. It wasn't just us, you know, as a group, you know, piston rings, cylinders, oil, all of these things have to work together, helping to elevate this to the next level. So, again, I want to you know, it, it's been great working with him for all these years, and it's absolutely fantastic to have him on board here at Total Seal. Now, Lake, uh, let's talk about Joe Gibbs Racing and Mark Cronquist and Ron Shaver, our next two guests that are going to be coming up on the future episodes, which, uh, you know, these guys are important to you in, in your career, but also important to you in your life. It's got to be pretty cool. You're going to get to, uh, you know, go full geek out on engines with these two. Oh, I know it is. It's so much fun. You know, again, Mark is a guy that just, you know, I said earlier, you changed my life, you know, being able to be involved in, you know, the Joe Gibbs racing engine program during that time period, you know, 2004, up to 2010 is kind of the halcyon days of NASCAR. The, The money was nearly unlimited. I mean, we would get to the end of the season it was pretty common to Mark to come to me and say, here, here's five brand new engines that were backup motors. Do whatever you want to with them. They're yours. Have them. Try, try, try whatever you want to try. 
in terms of oil. Yeah, you know, I was the oil guy, right? So do it. And we're going to measure blow by. We're going to look at vacuum. We're going to look at power. We're going to do a 500 mile race simulation. Then we'll tear it down. And then we're going to ver- yeah, verify the power. It was, you, you couldn't, you can't do that anywhere else today, right now, probably outside F1, you know, that, that has that kind of resource still. And what we learned as part of a group, you know, we had, you know, and it wasn't just me. We had a, a great group of people. Uh, there were some really great people at a company called Lubrizol. Uh, the, several, several of those guys have retired and moved on since then. A guy like John Martin, um, you know, uh, Bill Abraham, Doug Jane. This is a really great, smart people. And we were able to try a lot of crazy things. I mean, some stuff we, w- we would do, we're like, okay, we, <laughs> fun story. We, you know, obviously people know viscosity makes, you know, helps, you know, you go to lower viscosity, things tend to free up power just because there's viscous drag. We tried making a water-based oil, which, you know, Keith knows this, you know, from honing, there's a lot of, you know, uh, grinding fluids and honing fluids sometimes that you can, that are water-based, where you basically you're mixing oil in with water, which, you know, normally oil and water separate. Well, with some creative chemistry, you can make an emulsion and then utilize, have that cooling effect of water and have still the lubricity of the oil. So we actually built an engine, and I should probably wait late for the Mark episode and let Mark tell the, tell the whole story, but, you know, um, in fact, I will. I'll, I'll just tease it at that point, you know, let Mark finish the story <laughs> on what we did with, you know, this, you know, water-based oil. But we were trying things like that. And, you know, I remember, you know, one thing we tried that made really good power early on, and then we tried to run a 500-mile race simulation, and by we got about 100 miles into it, and the blow-by went off the charts. The oil consumption went crazy. And we were like, okay, I had to stop. Okay, so so what that it made five horsepower more brand new? It couldn't make it a hundred miles in a race, you know, so you learn things like that, you know, uh, you know, it's one of the key things about oil is that, you know, and Keith knows this to be, be <laughs> soldiered through this whole process, you know, ring seal, you want the oil on the wrist pin side of the piston and not on the crown side of the piston. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the job of the oh, ring. Boy. Of the, boy, isn't that the truth? Know? <laughs> Right. And I, and I say that, you know, wrist pin side versus crown side, not top versus bottom, because, you know, there are flat engines and there are radial engines. So that top bottom doesn't always work in every engine. But regardless of what engine it is, you want the oil on the wrist pin side, not the piston crown side, you know. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime we're going to get into oil migration, uh, obviously we're going to pull octane ratings down on fuel once we get into the combustion chamber. We're going to, we're, bottom line, we, it, you know, we do it long enough, bad enough, we're going to throw the engine into detonation, and that's a, a very, very destructive force. Uh, not only do we lose horsepower, I'm just, as of yesterday, working with a gentleman that I've been working on, you know, cylinder finishes on and getting his blow-by numbers down and uh, getting his vacuum numbers up in the crankcase, and, and he's picked up double-digit horsepower, uh, and all of this is simply because once we once we've gotten all of that right, he didn't realize how much detonation he was getting into into this engine. It's a 10,000 plus RPM engine, and I saw signs of it in parts that he would send me, but he didn't see the signs. And I kept explaining, You're, "You've got a detonation problem." It's no, 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 it's not. I go, "Yes, it is." And 
finally kind of got that through to him, and he's worked on this and really gotten it sealed up, and he's picked up, you know, I, I can't say exactly what it is, but he's picked up 50 horsepower, and, and it's simply because we've eliminated that issue in the engine. So uh, detonation is, is, is definitely not a good thing, and I, I get people that look at, you know, we're, we're talking about trying to reduce friction in engine and getting, you know, all of these, you know, reducing that drag, and many people looking at, you know, two-ring pistons, and in, in Certain applications, engines I like to refer to as clean sheet of paper, that have very, very low windage in the bottom. They've really got the lower end under control. They're designed to be a two-ring piston. Uh, they work well, but I get, you, know, you get into situations with older drag race pistons, things like that, where they just pull the second ring out. And one of the things they kind of lose track of is you know, they pulled the second ring out, so they've lost that backup oil scraper to the top ring. It also holds a little, you know, it reduces blow-by as well to backup to both rings. But what they lost sight of is that they had to put more oil ring tension in it. They lost that scraping effect of the second ring, and they had to put more oil ring tension in it to dry the engine back up because they would lose power because of that oil migration. Where with a three-ring package, if you use real light, real thin, low tension, the overall friction is actually less. The overall force on the board is lower. So that's kind of an awakening with a lot of guys as well, uh, realizing that they can actually get a lower all-around drag with the three-ring versus the two-ring because not only do we want to get the friction out, but we've got to keep that engine dry. We've got to keep that combustion chamber dry. A dry engine is always a happy engine, and we can lean on the tune-up harder. Lake, uh, in terms of longevity, you're talking about 500-mile racing, and Keith has got a drag racing background, as do I. We love uh, you know motorsports of all kinds, but it's just it's very different building horsepower for longevity. You got to go on a 500-mile race. You don't know uh, what lies ahead with that, as opposed to the quarter-mile guys, who, as you just mentioned, like it uh, it makes a lot more horsepower, but doesn't last a long time. A lot of the drag racers, they're okay with that. Uh, talk a little bit about that balance. Well, it balances the key word. Yeah, that's something, you know, the chemical guy, and that's why I look at an engine as a big, giant chemical reactor. Balance is key in chemistry, uh, and that's what you have to have. You have to strike that balance. Just like Keith said, just because it makes power doesn't mean that it's actually going to be what provides durability. And like the example Keith was just talking about, you know, with this guy that had the detonation deal, it may be making power, but if it's, if it's getting oil, into the combustion chamber, you're still not making the kind of power it could make if you could dry it up. Just that it made more power doesn't mean that you've actually got it right necessarily. There still can be some um, some tuning that could still happen and some tweaks that could make it even better. And that's really where, you know, one awesome thing about Total Seal is because we do piston rings for literally anything that has a piston in it. You know, from compressors to, you know, off-road trucks to, you know, airplanes, you know, not just racing stuff. Because we do all of that, the database, the experience level that is in that, those four walls there in Phoenix, Arizona, unmatched. I mean, that's why I mean, it's, you know, it's not just like a, you know, trite little saying, make us the first call, not your last call. It really should be because when you call us and you talk to a guy like Keith or Kevin or Bobby or, you know, whoever, you know, at our place that we can help you because we see so many different things. And sometimes it's like, the, you know, the guy I was talking about, you see that same part over and over again and you just kind of take for granted, well, that's just what it's going to do. But then we can see, we can help you by bringing in that other experience. I mean, Keith helped me 
tremendously when I was at Driven with oil stuff because we could do something and it works just fine in the engine that we're building with the hone we have, with the fuel we have, could work fantastic. But it works terrible when you just change the fuel or just change the hone. You know, and that's where, you know, Total Seal to me was the best place to lean on in terms of tribology because just the diversity of experience because total seal does so many rings for so many different types of engines that breadth of experience is invaluable in terms of how to get better and make sure that you're not going to step on the landmine that's where you know keith and those guys are just that over a hundred years of combined engine building and racing experience within those four walls on the tech lines that's invaluable And so uh, on that note, we will bring to a close this episode of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. But, Lake, we got to give you the full guest treatment. One thing that uh, Keith and I always ask our guest is, uh, and we'll ask you now, for the upstart engine builders, the younger uh, folks out there who are getting into this hobby or, or taking it on professionally, uh, who, you know, realize that they do not have that hundred years of experience, but they do have the desire and the want to factor, uh, what recommendations would you give to them on how to be successful? One, you know, start, you know, building some relationships, you know, um, don't be afraid to start at the bottom. You know, uh, about a year ago, I went, I got the opportunity to go down to Houston, Texas and speak at the School of Automotive Machine uh, to their to their their group, and while well, I was tra- talking to those guys and say, you know, you're going to get out of there with a degree and you had the experience there at the school. Look at that is trying. You just learn the language. Like when you're getting into this business, uh, make the uh, analogy that you're going to a, to a foreign country, you know, and you, what you're learning in school there is the language. You haven't learned the culture yet, and you're not really a citizen yet but you've just learned the language that's helping you. So if you come in and, and have that apprentice mindset, that just because you know the words doesn't mean you know the answers. If you come in with that perspective, there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, Keith, I mean, even despite the craziness in the world today, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there, they're covered up with work. They got more work than they can shake a stick at right now. And so, there's a, a lot of opportunity in this business. You just have to start building relationships. And a big part of that is that people in this industry will help you if they see that you, you're humble enough to have that apprentice mindset. And I think that's really key. And I would say a resource to look into, and I got to give a shout out to one of our previous uh, uh, guests is Ben Strader. Yeah, Ben's program out of EFI University uh, is fantastic. I, if anybody is serious about a career in this and you're still kind of new to it, set aside the money, save the money to then go out there to Ben's school and do that. Ben's a great resource. He'll teach you. And I think that's a great way to get started and move into this as a career. Excellent. Keith, any final uh, questions for Lake or thoughts for Lake as we get ready to pass the baton of the uh, co-hosting duties for a couple of episodes from Keith Jones to Lake Speed Jr. You got any thoughts for Lake? 
Well, I just wanted to, again, congratulate him and thank him for being here. Uh, I, I just wanted to touch base on what Lake said about, you know, people wanting to get into this industry. Uh, in the very, very late years of, of my father's life, he was a school teacher, and he taught automotives. And, and one of the things is also is you've got to have the passion. Uh, you've got to have the love. You've got you to gotta want to do this. You've got to want to be involved. Uh, if you've got that passion, then it, like they say, you know, it'll never be a day at work. It's going to be a day doing something you enjoy and something that you love. So, uh, you know, like I say, be passionate about it and come at it with passion. And, uh, you know, the, the relationship between ourselves is always, you know, he and I have always worked together so well because, like he brought up the oil thing, and you know, with the amount of people that we see and we talk to every day uh, from every end of this industry, uh, you see certain things and certain patterns in you. Know, like that conversation would start, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I'm seeing these guys having this going on. And, you know, what makes their application different than this, this application? We're always doing that research and development to try to figure out, you know, why they're seeing what they're seeing and what we can do to make it better. Uh, and, and it's just been great. It's been, a, it's been a true honor to work with them all these years. And uh, as a, a, a little note to some of the people out there, uh, it, was a, it was a very odd situation. Uh, and I know Lake will remember this. We were at the SEMA show last year. And I knew at the time uh, that he was coming to work for us. And he knew at the time he was coming <laughs> to work for us. But we didn't know that we each knew. And... It, I got to tell you, that was about the strangest time I've ever had with Lake. Is we're both kind of standing there chit chat. We're both just kind of quiet and really don't know what to say. It was weird. What do you think, Lake? <laughs> You're no good, man. Yeah, Keith's my brother from another mother. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, we, we've we've worked so well together. We, we're both that get it done kind of guy. And you're right. Like we've never had an odd conversation in our life, but that was the weirdest, most awkward thing <laughs> at FEMA this year. Yeah, we both knew, but neither one of us knew that the other one knew. So it was it was bizarre. That is hysterical. <laughs> to say no, the least. That, well, and that's that's what uh, just listening to you guys uh, go back and forth is very interesting and informative, and I know that the audience to Hidden Horsepower is loving it. But we've got good things coming ahead, Lake. We've got Mark Cronquist. We've got Ron Shaver. The next couple of episodes, uh, you're going to be in the co-host chair, and I am so looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to have a good time to the audience out there. Click subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow all the social media for Total Seal on Instagram, of course, everywhere you get your social media. And uh, frankly, I think we've got some good things that lie ahead. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today and uh, continuing to open our eyes about just all the different layers. Frankly, that's what it's all about. Like many, many layers that goes into this. You don't just assemble an engine. You have to really think about it. And like we said, with Keith, Keith, you'll be sitting there waiting by the phone. If they do have a question or they want to start that conversation, what should they do? Oh, just reach out to us. I mean, our, our toll free is 800-874-2753. My extension is 203. Uh, or you can simply drop me an email, keithj at totalfield.com, and I will answer any and all questions and help guide you down the path the very best that I can. Thank you very much, Keith. And Lake, we got a couple more episodes coming up, so everyone's got to get ready. I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Oh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, and, of course, Keith set the bar very high on this, so I will do my best not to screw it up. There it is. Everyone's got to have goals. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time here on this edition of Hidden Horsepower. Thank you both. Thank you, Joe. 
And that's going to do it for this edition of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. Remember, you're spending money on parts. You want to go fast. Make your first call to the folks at Total Seal. And as we said, those episodes are upcoming, so you want to subscribe. My name is Joe Costello. Thank you so much. You can find me on Twitter as well, at WFO Joe. And stay tuned. New episodes coming up of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. Thank you, everyone.